Hello, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, featuring today's top directors sharing behind-the-scenes stories of the latest films and insights into the craft of directing. The Director's Cut is now available on Spotify, so please take a second to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Anne Fletcher's new comedy, Dumplin'. Adapted from the best-selling young adult novel by Julie Murphy, the film tells the story of Willow Dean Dumplin' Dixon, a plus-sized teenager living in the shadow of her former beauty queen mother. To prove a point about measuring up and fitting in, Dumplin' signs up for her mom's Miss Teen Bluebonnet pageant. But her protest takes on a life of its own when other contestants follow in her footsteps, revolutionizing the pageant and their community. In addition to Dumplin', Ms. Fletcher's directorial credits include the feature films Hot Pursuit, The Guilt Trip, The Proposal, 27 Dresses, and Step Up. Following a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Ms. Fletcher spoke with director Adam Shankman about filming Dumplin'. During their conversation, Ms. Fletcher discusses why she prefers to shoot at a location rather than on a stage, why she made Dumplin' her first digital film, and how instrumental Dolly Parton was to making the soundtrack as well as the film itself. Hi, my name is Adam Shankman. Um, uh, yeah, that's me. Um, I have had the privilege of uh, being friends with our director here for, um, God, uh, 28, 28 years. We, we danced together on the Oscars in 1990. Um, and um, formed a fast friendship. And um, I always, um, you know, she's a very, very special lady. She is, in fact, my best friend. So everything that I'm about to ask her, I know the answer to. <laughs> and um, detailed answer. But there's always a surprise with this one. Um, and um, if you don't know anything about her, um, her first movie was um, Step Up, and um, it was a that job he produced. that I produced, yes. <laughs> so, um, and she, when she said, why are you making me be a director? I said, because I need you to understand the pain that I endure every day of my life and, um, and the privilege. And, um, when, um, and after that, she took some time off while I did Hairspray. She helped me with Hairspray and then um, went on to direct 27 Dresses, The Proposal, Hot Pursuit, The Guilt Trip, um, and then this. And now Dumplin'. And now Dumplin', and is, I think, was listed in Variety as the most hired in the last decade woman director in the business, um, has, has directed the most movies for studios in there, and this was her first independent film with Dumplin'. Um, and um, with uh, and I don't even know if you know this that your box office is crawling very close to seven hundred million dollars. I did and, not know that. I yeah. So which is which is which is there that is very very um, with uh, with all the women who are working today. This is a very aspirational kind of a box office to own. So that's uh, that's all good. Anyway, um, obviously the first question that I have for you. Young lady. Is it obvious? Uh, it, it is obvious. <clears throat> when you are uh, choosing a project, what is it that you are looking for? And then ultimately, why Dumplin'? I feel like we're so close. We are extremely Don't close. Don't you think we're close? We are very close. On this close. big stage. Um, 
I'm always looking for you. Well, you know these answers, so it's awkward. It's awkward because he knows everything. But I actually don't know the, what you're looking for in a project. Okay. Um, I love character-driven anything. Anything I can glom onto or connect with. I'm sure that most directors would say the same thing. Um, anything that's grounded in truth and in, in the truth, uh, you can basically go anywhere. And as, as zany as it can be, like the proposal, I think that we had a lot of um, set pieces that... I feel like functioned and worked because everything was grounded in truth. And so for this movie, Dumplin', I, I got halfway through the script and got to, wrote an email. I was in London, an email to my agency, and I have to do this movie. It's mandatory because of the friendships and the girl power and what they're struggling with and the death of Lucy and um, the mom and daughter struggle is all so real for most girls who are raised in this world and I didn't have anything of its kind. And so I wrote him, I have to do this movie immediately. Please tell them I accept and I want to do this. And he said, great, wait till the drag queens show up. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, how's that happen in this small town in Texas? And, and I honestly thought maybe I should have finished reading it before I said yes. <laughs> but, but to my delight, um, they are the fairy godmothers of our story. And, um, and, and that's really ultimately why I took it is just, you know, it's hard to describe, but girls, I didn't have movies like this helping us um, dismantle the narrative about who we are from society's point of view, our friends, teachers, um, you know, magazines, movies and stuff like that. We as girls would take that on as truth and go out into the world and grow up with all of this negativity about who we should be as women in the world, um, that this movie really spoke to me of wanting to, to give this to the new generation of girls. I mean, there was a joke, Danielle and I, the lead of the movie, and I were standing on set, and I said some something, as I usually do, of, I'm fat, old, and ugly. And um, she said, Anne, we're doing this movie we're doing this exactly for this reason. I said, oh, honey, I'm too far gone. This is for the new generation of girls. Like, that's what we're trying to get to. But that's what it spoke to me, the young girl who wanted somebody to, to tell me that no matter how we're born, whatever we are is perfect the way we are, and to embrace our inners and not so much our exteriors and don't listen to the lies that are told to us um, and the people that love you for your insides will be there for you. <laughs> I just got so serious. No, okay, no, no, and, you. I, and I, you know it's funny because I've I've always said we've talked about this a lot. Is I always said you know when when we're doing junkets and we're talking about Q and A's and stuff like that, it's really important. Like I was like, we're not curing cancer. Here. Like we're telling stories, and they are uh, you know stories that are um, by and large, you know, in the world of. Um, when you're talking about making movies and you're talking about high stakes versus low stakes, like high stakes would be anything, you know, where lives are on the line and, you know, like there is a potential death or like, you know, serious life threatening and altering kinds of stuff. A lot of the movies that you and I have both made are more about like um, low stakes, which are like, um, how am I going to adjust to the world in which that I live in? Who am I? What am I going to become? And all of that. When you're approaching, when you are approaching Dumplin', um, so assuming your eyes in character was Willadine, um, A, how did you personally relate to her? Because I know that you think about like telling the narrative through her 
her experience. How did you personally relate to her? And also, like, how did you, what was important to you in the development of the script to make sure that you were drawing out the necessary drama to tell that story uh, most effectively? Um, hmm. I'm making this up. This is fun. This wasn't even on my thing. <laughs> I, I don't know the answer. This is good. Well, I think you probably do. Um, okay, I do. Willa Dean, to me, is just every girl. You know, her issue, and we don't really point at it severely, her issue is her weight. But every girl can identify with her. Anyone who feels like they're the, on the outside of, quote, society's norms can identify with Willa Dean. So that is what I gravitated to her. Uh, mainly teenage girls, and I know boys have it too, but our story was about this young girl, Willa Dean, and her hideous teenage insecurities. And her insecurities were tied together with her weight. But really, in truth, the thing that was driving her and her suffering and, and her insecurities and all that was attached to it with her, was the death of Lucy. And once I ground, when I came on board, I grounded the script to be everything is the heart and the soul is Lucy. And we've now taken the anchor of this family away. How does this teenager succeed in the world? How does she relate to her mother? How does her mother relate to her? And one of the other things that I know I'm sort of veering off, but one of the other things I, I tried to do was make sure that it's all from Willa Dean's perspective. And that's a teenage girl without a great deal of life experience. And she is putting her own you know, perspection, perspection is not right. It's not a word. It's well, never listen, been a word. Bush made up words. Trump made up words. Okay. I can a, a great club. Okay, so yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. right for me. <laughs> <laughs> so her pers perspective. What is the perspective? Word? Thank you. I'm like, what is the word I'm looking for? Her perspective of the world. So when the pretty blonde girl comes in, Becca, we, you know, a teenager will look at her and immediately hate her or thinks she's a bitch because of the way she looks. But when you flip the lens on her, she's also dealing with her own insecurities. And I wanted to keep all the girls nice because it's really what every teenager is struggling with is their own insecurities, whether they have zits or curly hair or brown eyes or fat, skinny, tall, you know, short, whatever they're struggling with, um, wanting to keep that uh, a part of the, the whole story. So... I'm I'm all the girls. I'm the mother. I understand this flawed Rosie. Um, I understand the choices that she made to be skinny to fit into society because she wasn't strong enough as a as a woman or as a person to be like her sister Lucy, who embraced her her fatness and went out into the world and said, "I am dynamic the way I am," and also gave that to Willa Dean. Um, so I identify with all these girls because I think each thread of the movie is a version that most women and young girls can understand because it's what we struggle with all the time. When, when Jennifer Aniston and I sat down to talk about Rosie, we were both going at it and we love her for this and we love her for that and she really is a good mom. She just doesn't know how to be a good mom because you know Lucy carried the torch for her and, and carried the family and gave her... Willa Dean, everything she needed, and then simultaneously we would burst out crying because we loved her so much, all of her flaws and all of the mistakes, her potential mistakes that she's made, the roads that she's chosen. Um, you know, we'd, we'd want to root for her to just embrace who she was, but she didn't, but that's her journey. Yeah. And I'm sweating. 
Thank you. Um, the, the and it, it's interesting because you know no matter how you sort of cut it, every good story told is a, a story of survival. So it's really Willow Dean. This was Willow Dean's. You know this this was her. You know about like how do I survive in this world? This how you're talking about Rose Rosie. Um, this is my survival techniques. These are my coping mechanisms, and that's and those are the kinds of things that when you you are developing, you want to make sure that the stakes are as authentic as possible. Now I'm lecturing. I'm actually not asking anymore. Now I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you. No, no, no. But it's it's true. It's one of those things. Like when you're trying to look at these uh, these stories, especially where there's all these comedy, uh, there's all this comedy involved. You know, I think you and I both both do the same thing, which is I, the comedy will happen. Like we'll take care of the comedy. The funny will deal with that. But what is emotionally going on, and what is dramatically going on, and um, and that is why I love you. Um, oh. So what? Uh, that's one of the gazillion reasons. Um, for okay, so let's get to sort of uh, uh, technical about the movie. So what? Okay, so this was your first independent um, a movie that you'd uh, made outside of the studio systems. What was the difference between that and working with a studio for you? I don't think there. I didn't notice a difference. Um, I, I guess I had. I mean, I feel like the the studio system. When I first started, my first three movies, the studio system was work functioning properly. And every tier of the system was in place. It is so much fun to work in. Because everybody knows their position and it's all truly for the betterment of the film. And, and everyone, you know, looks to you and you look to them. And it's genuinely collaborative. And people have opinions, but you have creative conversations. This is how you approach it. But, yes. oh, but yeah. you have creative debates. They're about the creative decision at the end of the day. And then things sort of went askew for a while. Still, maybe still is. I don't know. But this felt very much like my first three movies, where it, it, you're working with your producers and the writer, who happens to be the producer, and, and, and just only searching for the truth of the movie and nobody trying to get, hey, get a set piece in there or, you know, she should kiss the boy more and have more of the love relationship where there are some sometimes studio notes come in that way and you're like, ah, oh, but we're losing the real truth of the movie and, and this little girl's um, growth and what she's really learning and that she has to make the decision to be with the boy because my first two romantic comedies really was important for me to say the the man and I love you guys trust me I do but in romantic comedies the men they don't they don't need to save the woman she's fine but it's just a beautiful you know cherry on top if you will <laughs> to have the men there and in this movie <clears throat> Willa Dean's point is that she finally sees oh I'm a I'm actually worthy of being loved and now I've made the decision to say yes I I accept it um, but I'm getting off. Um, so I think that it felt very, very much like my first three movies where it was just fun having collaborative conversations and really getting to the heart of the movie and being the one who's, who's looked to, to have the answers. Um, I'm, I'm no way, shape or form a control freak, but I have a point of view and, um, and it was honored. <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's that's really, really important. That's really important when you're doing a studio when you're doing a studio movie and and this has always been my experience too. And I actually know that you've had this experience. 
um, which is that you are developing it how you want to while making a lot of concessions for what they feel like they need for an audience, especially what the kinds of movies that we've made, which have been, you know, by and large, um, I guess you would call them programmers. Like, I mean, they're like they're very foundationally, you know, embedded in the either romantic comedy or comedy thing, and it's very important, you know. And and you know, the studio executives have a real point of view about yeah. this is really important. And, and but I know in this, in talking to you while you were developing it, it felt like you were really heard when you said like this is important to me. Like, and the and the struggle was not with the studio; it was actually more with the writer and you coming to, you know what I mean? Having a, a point of view that met so that y you were both satisfied in what, and you and Kristen had a really good dialogue going during that time, you know? Yeah. I mean, really, really good dialogue. Once I realized it was in Willa Dean's point of view, period, whenever we got off track shooting or editing, second we say, get back in Willa Dean's point of view, everything fell into place and also rooting it in grief. Because um, the studio would probably want Rosie's story to be bigger. Right. And I mean, to me, you're taking a book, as we all know, and you're making it into an hour and 40 minutes, hour 45. And you can't take all of that information and put it in the movie. But w what was important to me from the book is actually in the movie. And I think that that's what's resonating with a lot of young audiences or people who feel are on the outside. Um, and it was, it was a difficult movie. I, I mean, we shot this, again, independent 30 days, there's so many performance elements, so many things going on, and so many actors coming and going. So much driving. So much. <laughs> for, for, for a 30-day schedule, that is a lot of driving. So much driving. Yeah. Because we're making Atlanta, Texas, so it's not in the city, and that was our hub. Um, I have literally no idea where I was going, but... In life. But anyway... That's true. Um... So, uh, just out of curiosity, so just out oh, of... Oh, I was yeah. going to say that the independent, so 30 days, you're running and gunning as fast as you can, and then I still lost my track. Here I am. Trust me to direct your movie. <laughs> Please. Yes, okay, so it, it, it was, it, it was, I, it was, I remember it was very challenging. It was very, very challenging um, to do it oh. on your schedule. I, don't, I have no idea what I was going to say. Just 30 days. Thank you, everybody. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, so, okay, so when, okay, so part of that, part of that, when you're making an independent, when it's when you have no budget, the other thing that you don't have, what you generally get a lot of in a studio movie is you get builds. You know, you get sets that are built and oh. you get stage, a bunch of stage work and you had no stage work. And but I, like that. I prefer practical locations. Uh, I would right. rather never build a single set. Yeah, I'm the I'm the yeah. same way. Except, but they do, yeah. But yeah. they they want you to, because then they think that you're 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 able to shoot quicker. And I don't think that is. I like an a a a, a space to speak to me and not me to speak to it because I feel like for me I get much more from the location. But what I will say quickly is the independent idea too. I've only shot on film, anamorphic film, every single movie except Dumplin'. So not only was it my first independent. It was first digital because digital visually makes my skin crawl. I think it's ugly. And especially women of a certain age. Like I, I wanted to be beautiful, but it was here at the DGA. I came, I Q&A'd last year, I think, the French Film Festival of Mr. and Mrs. Edelman. And it was the first, I knew it was digital, but it was the first time I looked at the movie and said, okay, they, 
they're so close. Like they did such an amazing job making this digital film look like film. So when I hired my DP, Elliot Davis, I gave him the movie. I said, this is, this is what I'm looking for. Figure out the, the, you know, the math, how they put this whole thing together. And that's what he did. And for me, I'm, I look at the movie with a very critical eye because digital just, everything's so hard. I don't understand it. But um, we, we worked really hard to try to make it look filmic. So, in the, so I guess that would mean you'd, you'd want spaces that you could actually put a lot of atmosphere in. We had yeah. a lot of atmosphere. Yeah. A bit, a we had polite word for smoke. We, I so, think that we had yeah. ghosts and scenes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, well that, that leads me to another point. Like, so in, in, you didn't have the opportunity because of either the schedule or because of the, um, the budget to use your normal team. How did you go about selecting it? Because you were basically free balling on this one. Like, didn't you have, did you have anybody from your old? Team that you're used to working with? Yes, I had my AD, Joe, Joe Camp, and Susanna, our scripty supervisor. Um, I really wanted, after the last movie, I kind of wanted to just throw away everything that I've been doing and start anew. Let's do independent. Let's. I had to do digital. Believe me, I fought them. I have a joke that I say, when Chris Nolan walks into your office and tells you he'll shoot digital, so will I. But nobody gets the joke. Like, they think that I'm on the same level as him. No, I know that I'm not. But, um, and I hired a brand new crew. I wanted, I love the people I've worked with through the years, hands down. But I needed, I needed to shake the tree a little bit and, and get a little, the job is difficult. That is never going to go away. The job is always difficult. But I sort of needed a new challenge for myself to put me, you know, my feet to the fire and say, you know, let's make this different. And so I hired a whole new crew. So when, when you were, so you took that on with a smaller schedule, people you didn't know already, it's feeling fun um, and challenging. So in this, you have basically one bona fide movie star uh, in Jennifer. And then the rest of the cast had a lot of, um, diversity in terms of like how much experience that they had. Some, I mean, listen, Dove has a gazillion hours of, you know, on camera time, Danielle less, you know, anyway. So how did you balance your days in terms of like, did, was there people who needed a lot of takes and then other people didn't need to like, I'm just curious. And I, you don't need to name names, but it's sort of like, but how was that for well, you? Jennifer was. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, as you know, and maybe most of you know. Jennifer I mean, looks like she doesn't need a lot of takes. No, she's pretty spot on yeah. almost in the beginning. Um, but no, you. I mean, we had a, a slew of young kids who were eager and excited to be there every single day and came to the table. I mean, the girl, Bex, who plays Hannah, she has she's on screen like a minute, maybe a handful of lines. She came to set every day with ideas, just tons of ideas. And I'm like, just go for it, girl, because you are creating something out of nothing. And I'm loving every second of it. And I think she's delightful. Um, but no, I think that shooting this, you have, you, everyone knows going in, you have a minute to shoot it. And it's an ensemble cast and everybody needs equal time. Did so you have a rehearsal? We had not acting rehearsal. No, my Because <laughs> I had no prep. It was comedy. And so I had rehearsal. But because casting backed up 
and scouting backed up. I had five minutes to talk. I mean, literally like, okay, so your character is this and you're dealing with that and come to me if you have any questions. I mean, it was just nuts. Um, we had a lot of dancing rehearsals, but not, I mean, we would just have weekend conversations. I mean, and the kids and I just stayed in contact. But um, the cast for this is, I, I'm fortunate enough to have worked with on almost all my movies, Kathy Sandrich Gelfond, who knows my sensibilities so the casting director. Yes, the casting director so well. Um, almost every single kid that's in this movie, every person that came in this movie was the first person who auditioned. And and she just knows me so well. I'm like, done. Like that person has to be beat. Bex came in for Hannah. Actually, she's the only one I saw a whole bunch of girls for. And she sat down, and her and I talked for 10 minutes. And the whole time we were talking to my, please be able to act. Please, I love you so much. Mm. Just as a person, I hope you can act. Because um, that's important. You're not only finding the right person for the role, but you're find, finding the right person for the, the whole overall movie. And then on that, just really quickly, I never, never, never look at anything anyone's ever done. I don't look at their resumes. I don't look at their reels. I don't want to know anything. I only want to know who the person is that's coming in to bring me their character. And then you find out, oh, they did A, B, and C. Now, I knew Danielle because at the time, who played Willa Dean, at the time, Patty Cakes was the big Sundance movie, and we were lucky enough to have friends over at Fox, and we went to go. They showed us a screening of it. So, bless you. <laughs> So I knew who she was, um, but everyone else who comes in, I don't pay any attention, and I just want to find the real truth of, of what these actors are bringing in. Is that the five-minute sign there, Chris? Oh, wow, and I'm going to be good. Okay, well, this is, uh, I'll, uh, this is easy. Told you, to we can ramble. Oh, dude. I can like, ramble. Okay, so what are your favorite scenes in the movie? That's an awful question. It's not. It's not because they're not your children. They're like, but, no, but there's like, so many things in the movie. There's, I know. Do you have any scenes that come up here like, I really love this scene? I love everything with Lucy. Mm-hmm. Well, because she's my truth. She's my heart of the whole right. movie. Um, I love the fight after the boy gets kicked in the balls. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. everything with Millie. Like, there's, I mean, it's one of those gross Millie answers. is, I think, I think that Maddie is like one of the big, exciting you know discoveries of this movie. she's fantastic but there it's hard to say and it's really boring and i know it i love every aspect of this movie um oh i remembered what i was gonna say so 30 days here we go it came back the old lady brain 30 days and i kept panicking that we didn't have enough to shoot we don't have enough to shoot oh my god put a camera here grab this is there another scene i can grab just in panic mode because you know, I didn't know if on the page it was going to translate. So I get into the edit and I watch the editor's cut. Um, and it's two hours and 49 minutes. <laughs> I think I have enough movie. <laughs> and that was where the problem was, was bringing it down to 145, I think it is. Because they're all, there's nothing modular. It's modular. Oh my God, my mouth's not working. They're all tethered. So it took, it was like nauseating like how hard it was to bring it down because um, everything was glued to everything else. If you'd had more time, would you have done any, what would you have done differently? I, I don't know. I don't know. I kind of love working at this pace. Um, I like, I love having you know, the fire behind me for some reason. I work better that way. If I have too much time to plan, 
I'm going to second guess everything. I'm going to make weird. I'm not going to trust my instincts, my gut. My gut is where I go always. And when I have too much time to question the gut, then I get a little nervous. Like 27 Dresses, they hired me. I, I prepped it. I shot it. And I released it in less than 10 months. And that was my second movie. And and I loved it. Like I don't I had, even remember that being oh that my fast. Gosh. That was crazy. It was insane. But there was something about it that I loved because you're just like, we have to do it. There's no other choice but just get up and go. And that's we have another what this name movie for that. Was. It's called TV. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do. That is true. Um, okay. So um, just because you know this is sort of what's of, of very much of the moment with this. Talked about uh, working with Dolly Parton. Like what was, how did that all come to be? How did that happen? What was that experience? How do you, how do you find her to be? She's amazing. She's Dolly Parton. I mean, she's everything you want her to be times a thousand. And she had already known about the book. So when her manager approached her about doing the movie, she's like, oh, I I believe Danny Nozell, her manager went and she went out of the room and came back with two versions of Dumplin' the book. So she's like, whatever I can do. We asked you know, because there's so much of her classical music in there and um, classical classics. And um, we needed a deal. We were doing it for no money, but she's such a huge component to the movie. So we couldn't have really done it without her. We absolutely couldn't have done it. Um, no, the movie wouldn't have been made. No way. Um, she absolutely agreed to, to give us all of these old songs at, at a good price. And then we were, we, we wanted to be sneaking, like, can you please write, maybe redo, like a write an original and redo one of your old songs. Cause we didn't want to be greedy. We were so grateful. She wanted to participate. And then Buck Damon, our music supervisor brought in Linda Perry. And the two of those, those two women went off to Tennessee and came back with so many songs. It was unbelievable. They said they inspired each other in such a great way that we ended up. Did you sneeze? Anyway, she was dynamic and truthfully couldn't have done it without her. And she's been such a champion behind this movie and um, loves, loves, loves the story. And we brought her into an earlier screening, her and Jennifer, and we snuck them in the back. And um, she had said, I was just a couple rows in front of them. And Jennifer and Dolly said afterwards, she said she kept leaning to Jen. She was crying, crying through the movie. I mean, you can imagine, right? Just not only the subject matter, but she's the basis of the film. How the friends get together, Lucy, all of it is Dolly. So she's crying, and there'd be a funny scene, and she goes, I can't laugh because they'll know it's me. And then she says, but they don't know my tears. Um. <laughs> So God. sweet. So wrapping up, what is your, what is the, um, what, what do you walk away with? What's your sense of, your greatest sense of satisfaction? What's your uh, overall experience? Well, at this point, oh, well, the movie was what it was. I had a great experience working very, very hard with a bunch of amazing people who were there all for the same goal. I do that every day of the week. That's my favorite part of movie making. Now that the movie's come out on Netflix, um, and I'm so grateful to them because the whole point of me doing the movie was to reach girls and to help, in my small way, change the narrative and the mindset of young girls being raised in the world, hopefully to be stronger and better and not have to carry all the weights that I had to as a kid. Um, And because they have such a great finger on the pulse of girls 
It's getting Netflix, yeah. Netflix, yes. I said that right in the beginning. Thank you for correcting me. It wasn't anyway, correcting. I was reemphasizing. Reemphasizing. Sorry. You've, we got into our first fight mm-hmm. in front of you. That was crazy. So really weird. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I'm, I'm elated because it's been received from these young people and people who feel on the outside or whatever they may be struggling with exactly what the intent was of why I made this movie. And that, that brings me, at this moment, the greatest joy. Great. Well, thank you very right. much. You guys, thank you for sticking thank around Thank you so much for sticking late. around. That's so crazy. So oh. thank you. Bless your hearts. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q&A. If you'd like to hear more, you can find past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts. Stay tuned for more episodes, including our upcoming Meet the Nominees series, which will feature panel discussions with DGA Award-nominated feature film and documentary directors. And be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Also, if you're enjoying our podcast, please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. We'd love to hear your feedback, and you can help fellow cinephiles find the show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.